0: This is Nova Church, Halifax, where we love God and love people. Tune in as Pastor Mike Miller teaches from God's Word and how we can have a Nova life, a new life.
1: Today you're in for a treat. This is uh, um, February really is relationship month. Um, Valentine's, you either love it or you hate it, Um, but it's a great chance for us as a church to focus on relationships, and today to be something a little different instead of just uh, preaching, which we love to do, and we're a preaching church, and we love that, we thought today we'd do something a little different, uh, and we'd do some question and answers, so this week we uh, assembled all these questions through email and online, through social media, Um, so today I'm excited, I'm going to introduce my wife, Nancy, come on out, Nancy Miller, Pastor Nancy Miller. Did you bring coffee? Wow, awesome. I don't think I'm allowed. And uh, we're gonna help us, help us run all this uh, and keep us on task and organized. Uh, Matt Sterrett, come on out, Matt Sterrett. The man, the myth, the legend. So you guys up for this today? So many submitted questions, we're gonna figure this out today. And um, Matt, why the don't the you bunch. start us off? Yeah, so um,
2: I'm, 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 I'm uh, really excited for this. I'm excited to learn something uh this will be recorded right
1: yes but it might be edited depending on how yeah, off track yeah, i get yeah,
2: there we go there we go so you're here you get the good, stuff, the raw uncut version what do i need to do to make sure that doesn't work just come up and push me if you need to hey um before we get started i think we should pray uh because it is a A. but i still believe that uh, revelation can happen and god can speak and you can leave here changed and and so let's just pray together. Um, God, thank you so much um, for for this family and for this time. And God, we take the next few minutes and we just submit them to you. And we pray, Lord, for your Holy Spirit to come and uh, guide our thoughts, um, guide our questions and, and our answers and, and everything. God, I pray, Lord, that it would glorify you and you alone and we would leave here uh, changed. In Jesus' name, everybody said? Amen. Amen. Um, well, the first question uh, I think uh, that we have uh, there's a lot of folks that don't know uh, you guys or your story um, is how did you meet um, and uh, before you answer, um, I want to know just because I'm a little bit of a you know like a sucker for trauma I guess uh, is when you met were you single
0: Yes right
1: I wasn't single when you we met
0: single. This baffles me. How did I not know
1: that? You knew it because you were just mesmerized when we met. You had a case of the Thriller Millers when we met. Uh, I was dating somebody, um, just dating, and they lived far away. And when we met, there was nothing more. We met at an airline counter. I was checking in for a flight. And she turned red when she saw me because she knew. She knew the man of her dreams had just Not came, true. come to rescue her from Newfoundland. Not true at all. I rescued her from Newfoundland. She would have married a crab fisherman. Nothing wrong with that. Uh, but the life you see today is because I did a missions trip to Newfoundland. Um, the language barrier was tough, but that's where I met. That's at an airline counter. You were working for an airline. Uh,
0: it's, it's true that and I, I was, was dating red, someone else. but the reason I was red was because my coworkers thought he was cute. And I was you just didn't? trying to help out your brother, and I was trying to check you in and get you a great seat. You were checking seat. me out, is what you were doing. <laughs> but everyone kept teasing me, but that's how we met. Um,
1: I and, actually, and how, how long ago was that? Uh, like we, uh, 20 years. Cause we married 19 years in May.
0: Yeah.
1: So 20 years ago. Yeah. So we met in Newfoundland. Years. On the island of Newfoundland, island of Patmos. Island guys, of we're only 43. Yes ish okay
0: we (laughs) turn all right all right next
2: one um what's one thing most people don't know about the other when it comes to relationships
1: (laughs) you're up
0: my gosh you're a man of mystery um (laughs) what don't they know about you um you don't like to eat you 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 guys no joke he could care less how food looks could care less how it tastes Really just eats to fill a hole and that it's is like putting it. gas in it your car. That's the way like I feel about food, so yeah. how many
1: cannot relate with me whatsoever? All right.
0: Every time we go to a restaurant and I order my food and it's always a heavier plate than his, they always give me the salad, which he ordered. <laughs> And give him my food. Uh, I'm like, no. What
1: do you know about Nancy? It's is she my studied food. psychology in school? Right. And she thinks <laughs> she's an expert at every sport I can she's coach not all things. She, no matter what our kids do. Anthony? And she has one line. She has one line.
0: Push up and be aggressive. That's the It line. works for everything. That should be your motto for in, life.
1: In preaching, in soccer. Push up and be aggressive. It she will said get
0: that you far to you before?
1: All the time. All push time. up and be aggressive.
0: Look alive. Push Look, up, be aggressive. Yeah. You can get far with a lot of passion.
1: She is the second you most competitive person it. I've ever met in my life.
0: Who's the first? Uh, Anthony Murphy. Uh, <laughs> but
1: yeah. Um, how
2: has the other influenced you over the past 20 years?
0: I mean, that's an easy one for me.
1: I rescued you from being a crab fisherman.
0: <laughs> I love. I've become a lot more comfortable. I know that this may not sound romantic or any of those things, but I've become so comfortable in my skin. Um, I love that in our marriage, he's able me to hide dishes in the oven so that I can relax and chill um, and enjoy the moment. Because I am a type A, like I like things the way I like them because I like them that way. And he's the type of dad who pulls all the furniture in for a fort and we'll throw all routine out the window because of something that we need. And sometimes I just need to sit and enjoy the moment. And I think it's also biblical. I want to throw this in there because cleaning can be a hot button for me. And I know that it says in scripture that it's better to live in a tumble down shack than with a nagging wife. So um, I actually—that's what the Bible says. That's what the Bible says, and and I think that's an ouch. I think that when you're, you know, our roles are very different, but the value is still important. And um, in our marriage, I've been the role that's been at home. That, and again, that's not devaluing. That's actually a really important value. But um, when you're living and working, and everything is really important to you, what comes out of your home, you tend to get a little naggy. I think. And um, I love that you have worked that out in us.
1: So I'm to, fun. Is yeah, you're, you're,
0: you're so fun. He is. He's I've really learned, fun. How have
1: you influenced me to push, to push up and be This better be
0: good, because I just did really well.
1: You've uh, you influenced me to push up and be aggressive. Uh, honestly, um,
0: I'm waiting. He's pausing. It's not good. No, I'm
1: pausing. There's so many up. things you've influenced me on. Uh, I'd say the, one of the biggest things, uh, I don't give myself an A in a lot of things. I give myself an A as a dad.
0: Absolutely. Because
1: of Nancy. I'll
0: take that.
1: And um, what's amazing is I think I thought I earned most of my life.
0: I see your eyes filling up. Yeah, stop.
1: That's enough. Um, Who gave you a microphone? Uh, Whose idea was this? Um, So I kind of thought my life, my life was close to as easy as possible. No one's life is easy. I don't care how you grew up. Um, There's always challenges, but I sort of felt like I maybe earned what I had. Um, Nancy, coming from a very different background, tough challenges family-wise, a lot of economically, a lot of challenges, and to see the strength and joy on her, I think she softened me. Uh, I've always been a crier, but sometimes I didn't have a lot of patience for people. It was more of suck it up, move on, come on, let's go. And Nancy taught me to see people where maybe I saw... um, ministry or, like, when people will get saved at church, she would say, we need to invite them over for dinner. I'm like, what are you talking about? We clapped, I don't do that anymore. I hate <laughs>
0: cooking.
1: <laughs> uh, <laughs> but she taught me to journey with people. I just, um, Nancy saved me from being very religious. And I'm so thankful she had a different background because I saw people for now for their potential, not for where they're at. Because the, the change in her life, when I hear the stories of what she grew up like, so she's taught me really to slow down and love people and how to push up and be aggressive. So, two things. I did two, you only did one. Okay.
0: <laughs> it's uh, not over. Just started.
2: Um, regarding dating, uh, how do you know you're hearing God's voice on who to date?
0: Well? I
1: was dating okay. someone when I met you, so I'm not going to answer this. <laughs>
0: I think that, um, I think it's so great that you seek first the kingdom of God and these things will be added to you. And um, I actually journeyed in my dating life without a relationship with God and did my best, kind of kept throwing things at the wall to see what would stick, um, but always fell short, lost some purity in the meantime, um, got a little heartbroken, um, a little bit damaged, and uh, I, I love that you do want to seek God out first. And hearing his voice is, you guys, not this audible big cloud of thunder, but it is uh, reading his word. It is a light unto our path. And um, when I tapped into that connection with God, I started seeing His best for my life, and I started seeing what I would like to find in someone I was going to partner with that had the same characteristics, and you're a mighty man of God, and I'm so grateful. All
1: right. You're crying now?
0: Yeah. I am, though, because I've journeyed on the side of not having God's guidance and, then, and it was a real moment for me because it was in my late teenage years.
1: Yeah. Um, I think a couple things. Number one, I think everybody needs to know they can hear the voice of God. I would say this. Regarding dating, how do you know you're hearing God's voice? If you're waiting to learn how to hear God's voice for the big decisions, you've waited too long. My my mom is here, and my sister is go to this church, and it's interesting. I know my mom's cough, even in a dark room. Why? Because I've spent so much time with my mom. When she clears her throat, I can tell you exactly where she's sitting. My sister, the way she scratches her arm, I know my sister, because I grew up with my sister. Um, I think if you learn how to hear God's voice, and I believe you need to learn to hear God's voice. If you go in scripture, Samuel didn't know God's voice. He thought it was Eli, his mentor. He had to learn early, I think if you learn God's voice early, because I think the second biggest decision of your life is who you're gonna marry. The first one is what you're gonna do with eternity. Mm -hmm. But the second one is who you're gonna marry. And I think that's a big deal to test God's voice. And I think early. That's why I think the teenage years is so important and new in your faith, no matter what age you're at, is you learn to hear God's voice going, okay, that might've been my emotion in that one, or maybe that was being influenced. That's one thing I would say is hearing God's voice is learning early. The second thing I would say is I think we make it really too over-spiritual that God's going to come down and say, marry this one. I think I don't think we need God's voice if we already have his word on the basics. There are some fundamental basics that I don't need to hear God speak on. For example, I tell young adults, especially this, you, you work on your marriage when you work on you. And I've rarely seen people marry someone unless there's something outside extraordinary, like finances or fame. But average people, I rarely see someone marry someone crazy educated if they're not. I rarely see someone really driven in life and someone that's lazy. I rarely see someone in amazing physical health date someone who's not, doesn't care about their health. Why? Because you attract what you are. And I think if you saying, hey, I want someone who loves God, love God. If you want someone who puts um, God first and his church and and finances, then do that. If you want someone that has character, be one of character. If you don't want to date somebody who sleeps around and is flirty, then don't be that person. And I think if you have the basics of, I'm looking for someone who works hard, which doesn't sound really sexy, but can I be honest? One of the best things ever, um, how I know God blessed me is I married someone who works hard. I've never had to convince her to get out of bed and go to work, to lean in, to push up and be aggressive. And most of marriage not a- is not date night. Thank God for date night. Most of marriage is, is working together, whether it be kids or no kids, building a life. It's work um, and it's fun and you're building something together. I think set the minimal of, I want someone that acts like this. This is their priorities. These are their values. This is what they think is important. This is their direction. If you set that, it doesn't matter how cute he or she is or how much money. If they don't fit in what the goal for your life is, and so many times we're waiting for someone to solve or complete somebody, I think you get a vision for your life, a plan for your life, and really simple, if they don't line up with that, they might be going the right direction but a different path. And they might not be yours. And sometimes, I remember one guy, he wanted to be a a missionary in Africa. He was dating a girl that wanted to be a business person in Toronto. I remember thinking, you both love Jesus, but you have two different plans for your life. This ain't going to work. And they were frustrated. I think for me, number one, know who you want to be. Know the minimal. So you don't need to wait for God's voice of what you're looking for. And then learn God's voice early. So when it comes to the big things, you're not questioning, is that God? You've proven, tested, and know it early on. For the big things, for me. Yeah, that's good. Just to
0: add real quick, too, because there are a lot of voices.
1: They clap for me. You're. So- <laughs> that's one nothing on that one, by the way.
0: I'm up two already. <laughs> We're not competing. Right Push now. up and be
1: aggressive. It's okay.
0: Um, I, there are voices. Um, there's silent voices. There's social media. There's movies. There's romance books. Um, so, again, don't be naive to think, oh, no, they'll just figure it out. Parentally be that voice. Coach them along, encourage them, let them know what the standard is, get into your Bible so that you can hold that standard out when they are in the midst of so much voices, so many voices, and um, you be that front line.
1: Last thing I'll add is there's two people you can never argue with, someone who's heard God and someone who says they're in love.
0: Tricky, tricky.
1: Never tell somebody that God told you that you're going to marry them, because that puts them in a corner. Yeah. I've, I've seen that over the years. God told me I'm going to marry that girl. Oh, don't tell her that. Because you can't argue what God said. And I'll even say, like, sometimes I'll, I'll say, I think God's saying. Um, because people have free will, right? So I think you would be careful throwing that word around, God said I'm going to marry that person. Uh, but I do think you can know God's voice and learn it early.
2: Yeah. Um, next one is, uh, how do we deal with divorce uh, and remarriage in light of Matthew 19.9? Um, which uh, Jesus is, is answering a question from his disciples. Of they're asking, hey, Moses said this, what do you say? And uh, what do you guys wanna say about that?
1: If someone's asking that question, it either means they are potentially going through a divorce, they've gone through a divorce, or someone they're connected to is going through a divorce. Uh, This is a tough one, eh?
0: Yeah, Uh, and that's what I wanna say. You know, one, one question, again, opens a big dialogue. And in a room full of ages and stages, um, again, this is a discussion. We by no means pretend to have the answer. What did you say
1: last night? It wasn't we question and answer. We can respond. Answer. It's question, more yeah. it's, uh, questions and, Responding. Conver- and conversation. Yeah,
0: We don't say there's right. always
1: answers. Um, Matthew 19.9, Jesus says there's ground for divorce, for adultery. Uh, it also says, I think it's Ephesians 4, Paul's talking about that if one person is an unbeliever and they abandoned are the two grounds for divorce. Um, it's interesting, Jesus then takes it further because he says, if you commit adultery, it's grounds for divorce. But then in another passage, he says, adultery is not just um, stepping out and um, having um, sex with someone that's not your spouse. He says, if you think it, it's the same as adultery. And he sets this, not to make it more challenging, but to let you know, it's more about your heart than your action. I've I get, tr- get in trouble with my heart before I ever get in trouble with my mouth or my hands. It starts in my, and Jesus is always going after the hearts Um, I think what they're saying in this passage, again, is the very heart of it is that divorce shouldn't be an easy decision, and it shouldn't be on the table as your first option. Because it even says you don't have to get divorced if there's adultery. It says you're allowed to, but even then, try to work it out. Um, This is a challenging passage. Um, And there's a lot, what about abuse? The Bible is silent on abuse. What if someone's being abused in safety? All this is based out of Genesis chapter 2 both Ephesians 4 and Matthew 19, Paul and Jesus Paul. And it's talking about you leave something, leave your mom and father and become one flesh. And the whole goal is with one flesh. And I would say this, you know, the Bible is silent on abuse. Um, would you say you have to stick it? I don't know if you're one flesh, you wouldn't treat yourself badly. And one flesh, you're not hopefully um, abusing yourself, hurting yourself. The goal is one flesh. I think there's, there's room in there. Um, for those things. I think at the end of the day, is, uh, it's a conversation. Um, if you have, uh, if someone is unsaved and they walk away, and, and, and maybe you come to church, someone uh, gave their life to Christ, their life is very different, someone's, I don't want anything to do with that. My parents were like that. There was a while where mom was going after God and dad wasn't. Dad was an alcoholic, mom stuck in there. I think the, the conversation and the spirit of this is. Divorce should not be your main option. It should be your last resort. Um, I think that is the heart of this, is Jesus saying, hey, what God has joined together, let man not easily separate. I heard someone say this. It's almost like, um, is it fly paper or that sticky paper you put together, that it's very hard to pull it apart without leaving pieces on each other. That's what marriage is. And in culture, marriage has become, for most culture, more of a contract than a covenant. And if you've gone through divorce, I haven't. If you've gone through it, you know it's not easy. I hear the stories. I see it. It's you feel pieces of you maybe will never be fully complete. But we know there's grace from God. Uh, biblically, it's adultery. I believe it's neglect. I believe abuse works in there, uh, where it's going against one flesh. But the heart of it is, it should not be an option. A first option. It should be a last resort. And that again, going back to, we can do this right to begin with. I'll say this: We married 19 years in May. We have a good marriage, working on trying to be a great marriage. Um, we love Jesus. We love each other, and it's not easy. Marriage is not easy. If you think marriage is easy, you're not married. Is that too real? You know, what's interesting. We don't do the marriage counseling in our church. Why? Because the old model was, if you had pastors... Everybody had to go to the pastors. Like, if you caught your kid with drugs, I got to see the pastor. If you're going bankrupt, go see the pastors. Your marriage is falling apart, go see the pastors. Just because we are the authority doesn't mean we're the expert. When my kid is sick, when Maddie has a fever, I don't diagnose, though me and Nancy are the authority in our home. We take her to the expert. Just because we're the pastors doesn't mean we have the best marriage. We have a good marriage. But we believe in trying to get the right help. I want to say this. Marriage is not easy. And uh, if you have gone through a divorce and you're sitting there going, did I divorce too soon? Listen, I believe there is grace. I believe there is forgiveness. I believe there is help and there is hope. And I believe the voice of God speaks to us. But I think Scripture is clear that we should try to, as a last resort, not one of our early options.
2: Yeah. Yeah, Good. Um, We got uh, time for a couple more. Uh, How do you handle major purchase decisions where there is a huge difference in taste or preference?
0: Um, I think what's really important, especially when you start to come together as a couple or you're, st- you're figuring out, okay, is this going to be something that I'm going to want to, somebody I'm going to want to partner with, um, is figure out your money mindset. Because everybody's personality is really different. So say for an example, early in our marriage, I came from a very tight budget. I had custody of my brothers and sisters. I paid bills. I had to have money. You really were living like
1: a single mom. Mm -hmm.
0: I had to have school supply money. So my money mindset was very different from what Mike's was when we came together. I went
1: to Carp Bond and a lot of movies and bought a lot of junk food. That's what I did.
0: So in discussing- Not much has changed actually, (laughs) Yes, it has. (laughs) In discussing what that would be, we had to have a conversation of our comfort level and margin of our spending. Because sometimes you'll recognize that maybe someone's the spender and someone's the saver. And so for us, we'd set a margin of what we were comfortable spending without the other person's consent. Early in our marriage, it was literally $10. It's like, no, no. If you're at Pete's working today, you have to pack your lunch because that $10 has to go in the gas tank. Um, again, maybe now for you as a couple, it would be, okay, it's $100, it's $200. Um, they're really at a base level. You need to figure out a your mindset with money and discuss, discuss, discuss get on the same page um, and figure out your personalities and then move forward in agreement on how you're gonna manage. Because your finances, um, again, can be a real trigger point in relationship. This is what I was
1: gonna say. In marriage, I think sex and I think finances are two of the main points where you can see great agreement or great frustration. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's, all, that's what people talk about, right? Between that and the weather is money. Right And sex. And if you don't think you're talking about sex, they are. Uh, And if you don't think sex is an issue in your marriage or a priority, um, the other person obviously does. And you guys aren't talking about it. Uh, I think with this is, I think there's two circles. Nancy's a circle. I'm a circle. There's some things that I don't have a preference on. There's some, like, for example, Nancy never had a preference on what car we drove.
0: I could have cared As less.
1: long as it was safe, reliable. If I wanted it a mattered. Honda or Toyota, if I wanted a Ford, if I wanted, she didn't care. She didn't care about the color. That was in my circle. There's things that she wanted. She's like, hey, I really like this style of design for the house. I like this. I think the kids should be, do this activity. I'm like, whatever. Where there's conflict or opportunity for frustration is where those circles overlap. And that overlap is where you see potential for conflict and things that you're both passionate about. I could care less if that picture is in the center of the wall or the left of the wall. I don't care if we, have an, if we have a brown coach or a white coach. She doesn't care what color our car is. But there are some things that we're both passionate about. It's like, no, I want to spend that money on this. Well, I thought we were saving for a vacation. Well, I think we need some new furniture. Again, communication's everything. The one rule we have is when in doubt, leave it out. Most things, time is not the enemy. If you have to react quickly, like we have to buy this, we have to do this, we usually sit on things for a while and let the emotion come down let, and think it through. Um, so for us, uh, we give it time so that it's not a reactionary thing, it's a responding thing. And then again, we try to prefer the other, going, why, do you, why is this so important to you that we have this? Or why is it important that we get away and go here? And again, it comes back to communication for us.
0: And maybe something that would be practically helpful is to figure out a plan um, so that you guys can know what the other person is thinking. Because maybe you're sitting in your relationship going, I want to be, you know, mortgage free. Um, Maybe the other person is very comfortable with $10,000 worth of debt. You know, you got. You need to discuss what those demons are in your finances because you don't want it to have a foothold in your connection. Because that is ultimately what you have in your marriage. It's a holy matrimony. It's a connection like no other, and everything tries to get in there and tear that apart. And finances is one of those tricky places.
2: Yeah. Um, our uh, last question. Um, I think it's very important. Oh, boo. Um, two more. Okay. Um, you're the boss um, he was talking to you Nancy <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh I know <laughs> she knew um, how about this um, what are some values uh, Jesus values for dating in today's culture where our, you know, today's culture is really the complete opposite of the values that Jesus taught in the Bible so what are some Jesus values for, for dating in today's culture
0: Um, Again, I think a lot of different voices try to define what dating is. I think you need to know your why behind the what. Um, I think you need to know what dating is supposed to accomplish, what it is, what is the purpose in your dating. Um, And baseline for us is you want to find purpose in your life before your person. You know, age-appropriate dating is so important. The Bible talks about not despising your youth. There's so much purpose in every season that you're in as a teenager. Um, And I don't mean just spiritual purpose. I mean purpose like when you work a job, it's a good purpose to teach you being punctual and being a good steward of your finances. In school, we always have this conversation with the kids about like school cramps my style as a parent. I just want the extra long weekends, I don't want to, I want slow mornings, but there is a lot of purpose in school, it teaches them, it grows their developing brain, Um, I love that there is purpose, and I find what happens in our culture is you're put on a conveyor belt that says, don't slow down, don't wait for anything, get what you want when you want it, again, you don't want to go wrong in the person that you're dating, you want to Build that relationship and figure out that season and wring out of it all that you can. And on the flip side of being intentional, I also feel like you don't have to date once and think you're walking down the aisle. You know, like you can...
1: Sometimes we're guilty of that in church. We think once we dated that we're getting married. That's it. And then someone's like, I'm not feeling this. Yeah. And then they're like, they're outcast because they broke up a relationship.
0: Yeah. You know, you don't want to defraud someone. Like, that's what the Bible says, but you don't want to rob something intimate from someone because dating is an exchange. Dating is more than sharing. It is a deeper level in your soul. Um, So you want to recognize that. And that's why it's really important, I think, to be age appropriate. The minute you start your dating, you start to exchange things in your life. And um, you don't want to steal from someone their value. And I think that goes back to Jesus. He, he always believed in people and wanted the best for them. Um, and I think if we have that mindset in the dating season, then we'll navigate it together, have respect for one another, and be able to close the door when it doesn't work and still feel like we can be in community because right. you are healthy in your dating.
1: I think your advice of push-up to be aggressive does not work with dating. So I would say don't push-up and be aggressive in your dating, number one. Thank you. Uh, Secondly, I would say with this is you got to know your season. Because the right thing at the wrong time is wrong. Like, I can teach my daughter how to drive, and that's good information. That's the right thing to teach her how to drive. But to do it at 12 is wrong. Know your season. Are you able... For dating is, what, what is dating? If you're dating is you don't want to be alone, you want someone to go to a movie with, I don't think that's the right reason for dating. And you're messing with people's hearts, and you're setting yourself up to be in an atmosphere that get yourself in trouble. You need to know your season. Seasons are everything. And if you base Jesus' life on one season, he would have been a carpenter, because until age 30, no one knew who he was. He was a carpenter. He knew that season he was in was preparing him for the next season. You need to know what your seasons are for. The other thing I would say real quick is Jesus, it says Jesus' values they asked him, What's the most important commandment? He says, Love God. They said what's and he said in the second is love uh, others as you love yourself. Love is not the same as lust, and we've confused the two in culture. We confuse, I'm in love, love is a feeling. Love is not a feeling, love is a commitment. It's a covenant, and that's why Jesus loved us. He pushed past feelings and went to the cross. Being married 19 years, you don't feel love all the time. Is that too raw to say? But you've committed to love, and thank God feelings come, and sometimes it's like, this is amazing date night, and this is a great weekend, and other times, when you're taking the green bin out, and changing diapers, and you're paying the mortgage, and you're at Walmart, you don't feel love so much. Friday night.
0: Friday night, baby, it was we went to mini golf, and then I, the I dragged there, everyone to Walmart.
1: And I did not feel the love at Walmart.
0: I felt the love that filled my tank. I
1: would say this. What, what is love? Love is, love is um, treating people and expecting nothing in return. Love, culture says love is swiping left, swiping right. If they look good, then you're interested. The Bible says love is giving your life away. And I think dating values is if we love people, which we give people, we're asking nothing in return. Um, Culture doesn't have it that way. So dating values is know your season. Jesus knew his season. And then also to leave people better than when you found them. Not what you can get from it. Does this feel good? Do I like this? So much am I attracted to them. It's what can I bless them? What can I give them with nothing in return? That's usually love, patience, kindness, self-control, those things.
0: Um, Ecclesiastes 3, you know, it talks about there's a time for everything, like Mike said, and time is not the enemy. Um, I would encourage everyone in that season of dating to not let time rob your trust from God because we hear that conversation a lot. Um, a lot of the questions that were asked kind of tied under the same meaning of how do I wait? How, how do I be patient? What, what do I do in this time? And that's what I would say because, of course, in Ecclesiastes 3, it says there's a time for everything, like Mike mentioned. But it also talks about how in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, which is the love chapter, And it says, love, Paul was writing to the Church of Corinth because he was correcting some wrong thinking. He wasn't mincing any words. He was a straight shooter. And the very first thing he says is, love is patient. That never changes because sometimes in our marriage is not what I do to show love. It's what I'm being. And sometimes I've got to be really patient. Right, Mike?
1: I'm not making eye contact right now.
0: You know, like... And anyhow, so Paul goes on to say all those things about being patient. But in that season of dating, don't let time steal your trust in God. It also talks about that love protects, love trusts. You know, you want endurance. You want perseverance in that season. You don't want to just give in because the, you feel like the sand is going through the hourglass and it's going to fall short. There's always purpose in that season, yeah. always
2: so good. Yeah, that's good. Um, Last one uh, is uh, very important, especially in today's culture. Uh, When should kids be introduced to social media? Um, So, what is your guys' advice on that, like, from, you know, a parent's perspective?
0: Again, I think parenting is the hardest job. Um, It has brought out the worst in me and the best. I feel like we've added a new dimension by introducing social media. Hey, I feel like it's another string to pull on and, and put a perfect tension on, and it has a lot of friction on it. Um, for us in our home, and again, this is a discussion, everybody is different. I think you have to know your kids. I think we're always a measuring stick of, oh, I think we're off here, let's reel it in. Um, But I go back to Jesus and most importantly, I think it was human connection that he longed for and created us to have. I feel that tension with social media being just content. Um, I feel like it is the front line to our kids' hearts because it's right here. And there's a lot that they have access to. So what I would say is be mindful that their little selves are actually humans, but yet we've given them a road that's a robot. Um, God's design, again, is human contact, it's human connection. In our home, we, it's a constant battle of it's too much, turn them off. Um, even with the TVs, I found it's a little different because at least with TVs, it's on, you, your sensories are working. I like when human connection can think, see, feel, smell, touch. You know, I like when I can see Josh and Maddie laugh at a show. I can hear what it was they're laughing about. Um, again, I could go on forever, but also put your mic down. And also I'm just I just trying find, to push
1: up and be aggressive.
0: I find that we... Um, loneliness is on the rise. Loneliness is on the rise. And I can't help but think, you know... We talk about marijuana, but their little developing brain, I don't think we're even tapping into what this is doing. And it's hard for adults to police this. Mike and I are always holding each other accountable. That'll tweet. I do not get it. That's a
1: social media joke. Okay,
0: but in any case... um, I'd like that. We always, we do, it's always a tension that we're trying to manage because I feel like all of a sudden it's an extra thing in the room that takes our attention away and and kind of creates a less human connection when I feel like God actually designed us to have human contact and relationship. And um, I would say that we have held off for for a long time. Schools now, I'm not saying it's bad. I'm saying that, you know, you just want to watch it. You want to be careful. In Barney, he would say in that show, because kids used to watch it, saying be careful means I love you, and Mm -hmm. always have that discussion and know what's happening.
1: Did you just quote Barney in church? I did,
0: because he did. He would always say, be careful means I love Um, you, and be careful doesn't mean that you're a worry-warp. Be careful means just I love you, and and I care about your heart.
1: Um, As we close, I would just say this. When I was growing up, you compared your life with the people on your street. They got a new bike. You wanted a new bike. Where'd you go on vacation? You went to PEI. We only went to Atlantic Playland. You compared with people in your influence circle, church, school, neighborhood. Now it's global. And I do find comparison decreases satisfaction. I and what's happening that. now is people would get together on the weekend in youth group or in church. And you would hear about it Monday morning going, oh, I wasn't invited to that. Oh. Was it fun? Cool. And Monday morning, you'd you'd wrestle with, I wonder why I wasn't invited. Now what's happening is people are dealing with it live time. All of a sudden, they're home and like, oh, people are all at the same place doing the same thing. Why wasn't I invited? And now they're spending more time seeing what they're missing instead of going out and doing something with their lives. And I think dissatisfaction is tied to comparison. And these are only a tool, these phones and social media, but it's live time comparison. All of a sudden, my coffee isn't as cool as someone else's coffee took a picture of. My relationship doesn't look as active, as fun uh, as someone else's. My home doesn't look as modern. My vacation wasn't as fun. And I think somewhere comparisons come in through social media. I think you need to know what it is. And the last thing I'll say is, we refuse to have conversations with people that say, hey, I saw online, why weren't we invited? Your kids had a party, why weren't we there? I stopped them every time because I refused, it's not real. It's a filter. And people everywhere I go say, I heard, Nova Church is doing awesome. I've followed it online. And I'm like, it's real, but it's filtered. They don't see the loading. They don't see the tiredness. They don't see the attitudes. They don't see the conversation. This is real, what you're seeing on Instagram and social media of Nova Church. But it's so small percentage. And I think we got to teach our kids social media is a filter. The people are, it's called your highlights, for a reason. You're not putting up standing in line to pay your mortgage at the bank. You're not putting up changing a tire on your car. It's always the best coffee, the best date night, the best vacation, the best seats to the basketball game. And I think the number one thing we deal with, we see, not with our kids, but in culture, is comparison. And then there's a dissatisfaction of my life isn't as good, which has caused you to isolate, which causes depression, uh, anxiety. And I think sometimes we need to disconnect and live your life Don't try to escape it into someone else's. And so because of that, my daughter doesn't have social media. Uh, My son does. Um, He's healthy with it. Um, We work to try to make sure we're healthy with it. And we try to use it as a tool to connect with people but not compare with people. Yeah.
0: I just want to add a biblical reference there. You know, God, it tells us in his word to watch over our heart with all diligence because out of our heart flows the issues of life, hey? And with the issues of life, you've now given another inroad into your heart. Um, of like you, like you said, comparison, um, what if, how come, you, you've just let in a whole lot of things. And then do some self analyzing and go, wow, why are the things that are coming out of my heart agitating? Why am I, why does that feel off? Um, yeah, so I think that if you watch your social media, really help your kids and guard their heart because you want what flows out of their heart to not have all the life issues of what's in this robot. Yeah.
2: Thank you guys very much. Can we just give it up for our pastors? Um, thank you guys for taking the time. I appreciate it.
1: Thanks, Matt. That was uh, awesome. Let's, uh, let's pray. Come on, Ants, come with me. As we close today, the worship team, you don't need to come out. Uh, we're going to pray today because we're going to go get our kids. You have to get your kids. If you check them in, you still have to go get your kids. Uh, parenting in 101. Uh, but we're going to pray today. Can we stand to our feet all over this place? Hopefully this was helpful to you. Conversations. Can I encourage you? Get into a Nova group. Yes. Conversations happen.
0: Yeah. On we're your good.
1: best day, on your worst day, you don't need a service so much. You don't need a podcast. You need a mm-hmm. face. Someone you can lean into. That's why we say we're better together. Amen. Uh, we want to pray for you today. And if one of those questions, maybe it's divorce. Maybe it's your singleness. Maybe you're struggling as a parent. Maybe it's finances. We're going to believe today, amen, Mm -hmm. that we'll be better together and we can help each other in this. Mm -hmm. Let's pray. Father, thank thank you for today. Thank you for this morning. God, thank you for the amazing people under the sound of my voice that call this home. And God, we're thankful that you're with us and that, God, we can hear your voice. And I pray, we pray together simply the best thing we can bless our church with is knowing your voice. So, God, would you speak? Would we have an attitude to listen, maybe to slow down, maybe put the phone down, maybe to quiet our life and go, God, what are you saying Mm -hmm. about my finances, my marriage, my relationships, my singleness, my purity, my kids? And God, would you speak to us? Because when you speak, you always leave us better and you always bring us higher. Thank you, God. Father, bless our church. In Jesus' name, everybody said. Amen. We love you so much. You need to know Next Steps is happening right now. Uh, Coffee is flowing and it's free. We love you and we'll see you next Sunday morning.